Hey team, today on Step Outside Podcast, we head to the oldest campground in the Sunshine State of Queensland, Cotton Tree Park, and talking to park manager who's been there for 18 years, Trent Hamill. He's a colourful character, spent a lot of time in the far northern Gulf region around Weeper, also in the arid western regions of Queensland. Sit back, it's time to put your headphones on for Step Outside Podcast. Get everybody, welcome to Step Outside with Paul Burt Podcast. We are joined by Trent, who is the park manager here at the beautiful Cotton Tree Caravan and Camping Grounds. Hello, mate. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My wife and I run Cotton Tree Holiday Park. Yep. Uh, we have done, the family's been running it for the last probably 18 years now. Um, Matt and I took over in probably about 2007, 2006. We took over and took hold of the reins of the park. And since then, we've grown it and taught it is today. Mate, it's a stop-off point for many southerners, particularly when, obviously, you know, restrictions weren't in lockdown for Victoria. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, we're seeing some borders reopening around the place. And, and of course, you know, it, it was a, a very quiet time for Southerners to be here, which is, I can understand why they'd come to Cotton Tree because the outlook is amazing. Mm. But how did this affect you with local people wanting to come and experience what you have on offer here at the Caravan Park? Obviously, we couldn't have anyone here like everywhere else in Australia. Mm. We had essential travellers um, and essential workers that were allowed to stay at the park. Out of our sites, we've got just under 500 sites. Um, we had probably about 20, 25 people staying here as families um, or essential workers or people that have sold their houses. Yep. We're about to do a big lap. Yep. Had nowhere to go, had to stay in their van. So we obviously set up paperwork for them to sign so yeah. they could be here. Um, out of our five amenity blocks, we only had one open yep. um, just to service that, but mostly you had to be pretty well self-contained. And one thing I've noticed coming here today is that's in the past. Yeah. It is booming. Yeah. Mate, it is a, an amazing stop-off point. Anyone travelling around the country wants to come and experience the oldest campground here in Queensland, this is the place to do it. Now, tell me yeah. about Cotton Tree. How did it become the oldest? I mean, what made yeah. it so nostalgic? So Cotton Tree kind of started back in the late 1800s. Um, the Salvation actually had a camp here for the guys coming back from the Boer War. Um, so they set up a, a respite, kind of those guys coming back after the trauma they probably saw overseas. Yep. Um, and it kind of kicked off from there. And from then it's grown from strength to strength. Um, and I think in the last probably probably 25 years, caravan industry has come leaps and bounds. Especially the last 12 months. The last 12 months <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Well, you try and get a caravan now, it takes 12 months to get one built. It certainly does, yeah. It's crazy. A um, couple of the brand names out there, um, yeah. they absolutely killing it they can't yeah obviously a lot of people got shut down in COVID and, and yeah. they start to open up now but obviously people want to get outside and enjoy what we've got and in our shutdown the guys from council were working really hard to re, uh, redo our sandbags that we've got out the front here um just in front of us where we are now there was um probably a 40 meter hole and they had two 30 35 ton excavators sitting there yeah. digging sand out which was pretty amazing they had volvo trucks running up down the beach it looked um, like a mining site. It did look like a mining site, but there's no one here. Um, my kids loved it after the guys knocked off because there was a, about a 60-metre sand hill there, which they went down with <laughs> their bodyboards on after, after. But, yeah. Um, God. It is. Look, it's, it's done now, and um, hopefully it'll, it'll hold it for a few more years. Mate, the, um, the area here at the entrance to the Marucci River is just a, a wide spanse of water. There are sandbanks throughout this area. I paint the picture for those who are working out or you're driving to, to, to work. Or is that it, it really is uh, an area that's environmentally friendly. Yes. Uh, the water is super clean. 
and also it's teeming with fish. There's birds out there, there's people on, on paddle boards, kayaks. The bar system is just here that takes you out into the, the mighty Pacific. But, but it also offers protection for, for families with children to come to this area as well. Oh, for sure. And like, you've got the little kids, you've got the river, which is right, right this side. And then on the right-hand side of where we are, you've got the surf side, which is for the older kids surfing. And like my kids are at that age now, they've kind of progressed through the, yeah. around the point there, um, which is fantastic, you know, and that's what it's all about, getting outside with the kids and enjoying them. Before, Mate, they, before they grow up. It is. Now, we were talking earlier about um, transitioning from one place to another when we're talking about travelling around, making a person who they are. Uh, mate, you spent a lot of time up in the Cape. Yeah, been up there for a while. Yeah. Um, been out to Roma, lived out in Roma for a while as well. So been around and done a few fun things with four-wheel driving. And, yeah. Which I, yeah. I'd, What's one I'd of your most stickiest moments here when it comes to four-wheel driving, mate? Um, I think gunshot's got always got to be up the top of the list, doesn't it? I, I gotta, uh, yeah, it is. Gunshot, gunshot Gorge or Alley, that little area yeah, up there inside so, Weaver. That's a, that's a bit of a gnarly, sort of a treacherous area. Yeah, look, any of those kind of tracks up there are, are pretty good. Um, cheers, mate. Good on you, mate. Um, it, it all depends how you want to drive them too. You know, you can, the wet season up there is um, pretty incredible. Um, the amount of, the sheer amount of water that can, you could be sitting in, in a creek that's got nothing in it within, it'll rise it. Two or three metres in a in a heartbeat. It's incredible, isn't yeah, it's, it? And it's good fun. You got to you got to go out there and experience it. I remember one one time we we're heading up there. We we're going past um, uh, towards Cloncurry, staying at the old Wagon Wheel Hotel, and uh, the siren came on the in, on the early two thousands came on the uh, on the radio and on the TV, and it was Cyclone Larry. Cyclone Larry. So we decided yeah. to bolt to the west to Mount Isa, of which we'll then getting the tail end of Larry coming through because it was wiping its way yes. towards the bottom end of the Gulf. We thought, oh, we'll bugger this. It's not much to do on Mount Isa. So we buggered up the Burke and Wills track up towards, uh, heading up towards Normanton. Yeah. Of which that, that raging torrent water you're t- telling us about is we got to uh, Normanton to get to Corumba. We were on an inland sea where one bridge would be 20 metres above a water um, area. Yeah. And within five minutes, it was 10 metres under the water. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah, that, sure. That, sort of, that sort of water... I uh, guess yeah, thoroughfare. It happens a lot up in the far north. It, it does, and um, it's pretty scary too. If you get caught in that, look out. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's pretty scary. Find the stuff. highest mountain. That That's you can it, drive and on. yeah, drive real fast. Drive real fast. <laughs> drive real fast. Any scary moments in your place and time up there around the crocodile area at all there, Trent? Um, yeah, for sure. Like there was a few times there. Uh, we did a fair bit of pigging up there as well. Um, obviously, fishing's the main thing up there. But there's a couple of times when the big uh, snapping lizards kind of. Uh, <laughs> Take you by surprise. Um, I've got some good photos actually of uh, mates coming through on quad bikes, and uh, we knew there was there was a croc nest up there, and um, coming through. And actually, on the photos back in those days, we didn't have the iPhones and the cameras and the you know GoPros and stuff you got today. And this croc is near my mate on his uh, quad. We ha- did have rifles on board, but we never never got too close. No, yeah, but um, years, yeah. they're always there. It's uh, it's in the back of your mind, you know. Chasing pigs into water with trying to get your dogs out. Is yeah. a croc going to come up and take me or the dog? Yeah. yeah, for sure. When we're talking about Kunnamulla, that's another area. So we've gone from the far northern parts of Queensland now to the central southwestern parts of Queensland. Yeah. yeah. Mate, Kunnamulla is a very arid, dry place. Um, so is, I spent yeah. a lot of time out there when I was a young fella, yeah. you know, shooting pigs and roos and doing all that stuff as you do when you follow yeah. your parents around. That's it. Tell me about your experiences out there. Um, we go uh, a few mates of ours. So, a mate of mine, he's um, got some really good friends out there that. I own a couple of properties out there and um, there's one certain property out there that no one really goes on. So um, we've been out there quite a few times and um, 
the amount of pigs on there is it's incredible. It's 48,000 acres of um, wow. mulga scrub and back channel kind of country, which, you, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. You could drive around certain certain places out there and shoot pigs and shoot roos and come back and do it all again. Yeah. Um, yep. Obviously, we always try to catch a couple of little fellas and yep. hang on to them, but, yeah, it's um, they're probably the best we did. I've got some photos um, from about 250... 254, the ones we kind of count over 80 yeah. kilos. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of pig out there, but for people listening, it's not a matter of just going up there and shooting animals for, for fun. It's about um, culling the land of these animals because they need their, yeah. their land out there for their grazing and, of yeah, course, the crops. Sure. There, is, there is a sheep property that we, we go to. Um, yeah. And not only that, the feral cats out there, you see the, the damage and destruction they do to the native fauna and, and wildlife out there. Yeah. Um, some of the cats we've actually we've shot out there they look like look like tigers yeah and um not only that they take down livestock as well um or baby lambs when it's lambing season yep um they'll take them out um but just to see what they actually do to the the native birds out there it's pretty crazy yeah. and that's and that's that's one of the scariest parts that a lot of people don't understand is yeah. how yeah. ferocious yeah. Uh, the land can be when it comes to feral animals yeah for sure and and like the pigs or the pigs were they'll if they put crops in, I'll decimate a crop, you know, and that's that's someone's wages. Mm. And they're an introduced species. Like everyone goes on about, oh, you shouldn't shoot pigs, shouldn't shoot, shouldn't shoot that. I said, well, everyone doesn't want killing the cane toad. No, all that that that. What's, well, that what's is the difference? I don't want to say what's the difference, you know. So yeah. as long as they, they don't, it's done humanely, then yeah, away you go. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it, mate. Yeah. Back to cotton tree. Let's back to let's, cotton let's, tree. let's let's jump back to here yeah. now. Uh, we're talking about some of the best seafood in southeast Queensland's fan right on your doorstep. Tell yes. me about the catches that people wanting to come to this area. What can they experience? Where do they go? What do they do? Um, so we got some. Um, obviously, Mulubar King Prawn is um, probably one of the most famous prawns, I suppose, on the east coast of Australia. Mm. Um, and basically, it's five minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got the co-ops down there. Um, which fresh from the boats. Fresh as well. from the boats, straight off. Yep. Straight off the boats. Yeah, the boat might come in that night. And you're buying it that morning. Yeah. I noticed you have a fellow that comes around the park here with his with his refrigerated truck. Yes, that yeah. sells out to people who are camping or camping staying here, in the caravans. And they are fresh, fresh prawns. Yeah. I mean, does it get any better than that? Seriously. And I remember as a kid growing up, I grew up in, in caravan parks when I was a young fella. Is that you know back then you could buy and sell fish and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Or sell sell yeah. your catch. Yeah. But that was the thing is that waiting for that dude to come around with a fresh catch yeah. if you hadn't caught your own fish or whatever. Or B, yeah. back then you can actually sell it, so you could go around and, and make yeah. some pocket money, but yeah. you can't do that nowadays yeah. unless you've got a license, by the yeah. way. That's it. Um, but that is a, it's a pretty good experience to sit back yeah. and get some prawns delivered to your campsite. It is, it is great, and people love it. People do ask me all the time, oh, is the prawn guys coming through today? And what are they doing? Yeah. yeah. Weekends is another thing, too. We usually get food vans in as well, which makes people happy. Yep. Every Saturday night, we've got the um, pizza guys that come in, they do wood fired pizzas. Is that right? Um, which is pretty fantastic. They do do a prawn pizza as well. Um, <laughs> and they might mix it up and they might do nachos in the in the pizza oven as well. I was telling you in the COVID, a good friend of mine, um, Nev, um, we were eating oysters like the lollies. Uh, <laughs> Down in the pizza oven. Yeah, and the pizza oven, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Kilpatrick, it was fantastic. Yeah. Mate, the good. water shining in front of us is, is pretty cool. I, I do recall we were staying over on the other side of the river there with an anaconda team uh meeting that we're doing over there like a team building exercise and i put a few of the team into our boat and we brought them down to the entrance to the marucci here and mate the fishing was just phenomenal the hardy heads were schooling up yeah. we had the cast net in queensland yeah. everybody you can use a cast net to catch a bait yeah so you know 
I'm always a big advocate. Find your bait, you'll find your fish. Yeah. And we cast netted some hardy heads, and I had the boys in the boat, and we put a hardy head underneath the jaw, out through his nose, flicked it in behind these small breaks. Every cast was a fish. Yeah. Every cast is a flathead. Yeah, look, there's flatties out there. You get the tail every now and again coming through. Um, in the COVID lockdown, um, we were down here because there was no one here. Um, and we're actually catching Mac tuna off the beach here. No. Um, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. Kids are able to ball with it. I can imagine. Um, not that they're good eating fish, but a good fighting fish in you. That's right. Put them back in the water. Light tackle, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good fun. Um, and the, there's plenty of whiting out there as well. It's one of those things. I just saw a couple of kids pass by on the surfboards as well. So yeah. even for the kids, I mean, I'm talking about a little sand spit here that is a river that you just get this little wraparound effect of where a wave rolls in, very similar to the Richmond River of Ballina, yes. where you get a wave pushing in about two kilometres upstream. Yeah. And it's very similar here. We are very close to the entrance, but you've got that nice little break that's about knee deep. Yeah. So kids wanting to learn on a softboard, Anaconda have the softboards, is get down there, grab a board, grab the kids and come up here and, yeah, uh, and put it. them in the water, get them learning. Yeah, get them into it. My, my, my kids, they love the water. They're all into surfing, um, short boards, long boards, paddle boards. Yeah. They've got all the gear. And they love it out there, um, especially my little fella. He's, he's 12 now. He's growing up here at the park. Um, and they're all water babies, but he, he just loves his surfing. Yeah. Trent, tell me about being a, a park manager. What's the life like, mate? It has its moments. It's not all beer and Skittles, but um, it's like any job. Um, you, you have your challenges, um, dealing with the public every day. Um, I, we, what we have found in, since pre-COVID... Um, or pre-COVID now, I should say, a lot more people are a bit more demanding um, with what they want and with the Mendy Box being cleaned. We have a great staff that basically the, the Mendy Box are getting cleaned all day, um, touch points, all that kind of thing. But we just find a few people are a bit more demanding with hand sanitizers and stuff if people stop nicking my bottles. <laughs> So, and they're not cheap. You're paying uh, twelve bucks for like yeah, know, 150 that's mils. That's it. But yeah, it is what it is. So you just roll with the punches. But um, yeah, that, yeah. What about New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve? You know, all those sorts of times, holiday times. I'd imagine. You know, given you'd have a a park of how many sites do you have? Just under five hundred. Okay, just under five hundred. Generally, you'd have. I don't know. How does the government say that a fa average family is three point seven? Oh, oh no, I'm throwing that figure out yeah, there. But there's a I point. Don't. There's a decimal point. Yeah. Why can't they just say a family of, say, five? five. Because some have four some have and some have, you know, there's six. Or or, so, yeah. you know, where yeah. about we split the difference? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I totally agree with that. Um, Is that because the, the the budget minister dude can't add up? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to give it a point seven. We've got a state election coming up anyway, haven't we? <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Well, that's that's, that's being dated. Story. So whoever gets in, yeah. good on you. Mm. Anyway, uh, mate, we'll see what happens. But I guess, you know, so we're talking around, say, 1,500 people on this site at, least. at, 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 at Christmas least. time. Yeah, we yeah. kind of work on about 18 to 1,900. Yeah, okay. um, New Year's Eve, obviously, you get more because yeah, well. their friends come through. Yep. Um, but, yeah, look, most like Christmas time, you roll with the punches as well. Like, toilet paper's our biggest thing. Um, people nicking it? Oh, yeah, like people. Or, or people, do you need to stock it? Oh, we stock it. We stock it in pallets. So were you one of those people during, you know, COVID that you went to Costco and you'd take, you'd take <laughs> three pallet loads and chuck them in the boot? No, I was giving it out to people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I had the big rolls. <laughs> <In> the big... <laughs> and um, 
you know, my mates would be reading. But well, we can't get That's, mate, you got confusion with the paper yeah. toweling that you hang in the kitchen. Just no, like, no, no. Well, like our big no. rolls. We oh, put you in. got the big rolls. The big rolls we put oh, yeah, in. Right we have got the smaller rolls we, we use in the, our cabins <laughs> and our yeah. beach house we got here. Yeah. Um, but I still had, for some reason, I ordered a whole heap, which was a miracle in, in disguise. Mm. Um, but I had extra toilet paper, so mates would be ringing up or someone would come into the office. Yeah, we've got a spare roll. Yeah, sure, mate. No worries. So it didn't worry me too much. We're giving it out. And look, most of the toilet paper is made in Australia anyway. Well, I know that. So, right? yeah, okay, so, I think it was in Adelaide, if I'm correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, look, it's, it was, I think it's a bit of a scaremongering thing by... Uh, uh, the People new, who buy three pallets at once. Yeah, basically, yeah. And there's none left. That's it, exactly. <laughs> if, you, if someone packes the Vindaloo, you know, that would be a different story as well. So. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I did buy. I did buy forty kilos of rice, which I still have at home. <laughs> uh, mate, yeah. t- when it when it comes to insects, one thing I've noticed here at Cotton Tree, a lot of people might be thinking, "Oh yeah, you're on the beach. Yeah, you're you're sort of on a river. We're talking mosquitoes. We're talking midges. I haven't. I have not felt a midgie. And midges love me. So for some reason, I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. I love my veggie mite. They still crack me. Um, course, where we are, we're pretty much beach. We haven't got a lot of um, mud around. Yeah. Um, obviously, midges like the mud as well, and they yeah. like stagnant water. We've always got flowing water here. Um, it doesn't matter what time of day, wherever it is, we've always got moving water out the front here. Because um, the river splits, when it comes into the river mouth, it splits around Goat Island. Um, there's always there's always moving the water, so the midges can't, can't breed, basically. So they need stagnant water to breed. Mate, um, any dilemmas on seeing some big waves crashing through here at times you know when a cyclone um, comes what's your what's your role what's your protocol when when we see some nasty weather push down the east coast basically we move everyone out of this top camp now we call it the point yep. um we move them all out down to safer ground um we've only been evacuated twice um through our time we've been here yeah we got everyone out of the park that was here within an hour and a half so it was pretty good yeah um and we move up to higher ground but Look, if that's going to happen, a lot of people know to it's move back into coming. the park. Yeah. And a lot of people go home as well. Yeah. We try to send people home because we don't want that responsibility of old mate up there in the top there who doesn't want to move. Mm. If something does happen, well, that's on my head. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So. And that's it. And, mate, what about the kids? What are, you, what are your kids like growing up in a park? I mean, is that something that they're, they love or they get a little bit, you know, I guess, you know? No, with look, it. what is it? They love it. They treat it as their backyard. Um, growing up as a kid, obviously, we all had our little backyards and stuff like that. We're your local park. They treat this as their backyard. Um, they look after it. Like my eight-year-old came back the other day. She was riding a bike up around this point. And she came yeah. back with a bag full of rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it's just little bits and pieces like that that she's found on the beach and she was going to chuck in the bin. Do your kids spend much time on PS4s and all that sort of PlayStation stuff? Is um, that something you try and, you know, because... Kids and technology these days, they've got to grow up with it. On, you know, yeah. As much as we are maybe as our generation against it, but the technology that they are learning is going to obviously help them when they're older uh, and getting a job. So how do you how do you do that with your kids? Um, it's a time management thing with them. Um, obviously, if the surf's pumping, they'll be all be out of your surfing. Yeah. Um, like I was saying to you before, my eldest now, he's 18 now, so he's left school um, yeah. and he's doing music. So when he's not jamming with his mates and at uni he'll be home surfing and if it's on a weekend he'll take take the others down with him and yeah. take him surfing so we can we can still work obviously and got something looking after the little ones well when i say little they're 12 and 14 12 and 8 now so yeah, the little mate, ones, they're, yeah. They're, they're slowly and they'll grow yeah. they'll soon get to 18 with as soon as you click your fingers yeah, they're, you know, they're going to be living you know yeah. leaving home to 
campsite number 28. Yeah, basically. Mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mate, your young fella, you are telling me earlier about his, uh, his, his being, yeah. a muso. being a muso. So people at home can tune in and listen up to, to some of his songs. What, yeah. What's going on on um, Spotify? He's, he's got a band. It's called um, Nana's Pie. Nana's so, Pie. Nana's Pie. Okay, uh, that's Where that cool. came from, I don't know. Yeah. Um, they kind of Nana's pie. Nana's pie. So, so there's, there's pie. yeah, there's three, there's three of them. So this Tyler is like a lead singer, um, and there's Adam and Ash who are twins, and they've grown up together. So they went to kindy together. Yeah, wow. And they're just great mates. I call them the Three Musketeers. Yeah. Um, and they're all <laughs> down to earth kids, and um, just giving out there, giving it a crack. So they've got quite a few songs and original stuff, and um, they'll be playing at one of the local bars up here this uh, Sunday actually nice. for the first paid gig. So they're pretty happy about that. Good on them. They've been down, played at Fortitude Valley, and a opened up for a few bigger bands and um so yeah they're, they're you know another band that um kicked it off pretty well you may not have heard of them you may not you may have heard of them and it had pie in their name as well and that was eskimo pie eskimo pie so you know go. back over there maybe that's that someone could have been sitting there having a chat saying hey eskimo pie what's the difference nana's pie nana's pie is better apparently they made with love <laughs> and lots of chicken. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> or cream cheese, either one. Either one. But yeah. Mate, um, so anyone heading up here around Australia, you've really got to stop off at Cotton Tree Caravan and Camping Grounds. Come and say good day to Tranny. He's going to look after you there. Uh, family run and owned uh, operated business that they have here. Uh, mate, this is your fourth tender. Yes. So you've got a little while to go, obviously, and, and mate, um, the way you're yeah. running the park and how friendly everybody is with you yeah. and you to them, I can see this going on for a hell of a long, long time. Long yeah, yeah, it is just great, and I love it. Um, coming from a building background as well, you know, so coming out of the mines and being concrete pumps and concrete and all that kind of stuff, it's great to spend time with the kids as well. Yeah. But I love it. I love the industry, and I've, you know, I love this kind of stuff with you guys, and um, it's pretty cool. Mate, um, I'll be your sidekick one day. You, you, mate, you can be my sidekick any day. <laughs> no that's, that's, that is fine. Speaking of that, I might as well just get up and you can talk to the camera. Yeah, 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 sound? yeah, it sounds great. That's yeah, it right. sounds awesome. Yeah. Are you into podcasts? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I do Are listen you? to them every now and again. Yeah, it's pretty okay. busy running the park and obviously with the kids. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a fair bit of staff here as well. And um, yep. just trying to balance everything. And on our days off, we do renos on houses. Yeah, so go figure. Yeah. Not that I'm what, what's be, being a, uh, a a home renovator? What's your, what's what sort of jobs do you like to do with that? I mean, you do everything, kitchen, bathroom. Do you delegate we, that back out? Uh, no, nah, we we do them, we do it all. Um, I've got a good mate of mine, Dan. Uh, he's a cracker. Um, he gives me a hand doing. He's a cabinet maker by trade, so he gives me yeah. a hand doing the the, um, the kitchens and stuff like that. So yeah. we we buy them, we put them together. Uh, Nat and I, my beautiful wife, we uh, probably had fourteen million divorces trying to. <laughs> two renos on houses, but uh, that's how it goes. But well, you met her before. She's a cracker. Yeah, um, she's full of life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good fun. It takes the stress out of stuff sometimes. Like we're picking tiles for another another place we've got down in Golden Beach, which is another yeah. perfect spot on the coast. Yeah. Um, and she was asking about these tiles, and I said, "Don't you just pick them." Yeah. But what do you think? I think yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question about that when it comes to. Caloundra region. Okay, yeah. you know this area better than, than a lot of people. Who named Golden Beach, Dicky Beach? What other beaches are in the middle there? Um, you've got there's, you've there's got Moffat a, Beach. You've yeah. got um, and then go further south. What's between Kings Dickey Beach? Beach yeah, Kings. Kings Beach and then Golden Beach. That's Kings. That's all Kings through there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dicky Beach was named after the SS Dicky. It was right. an actual ship that got shipwrecked there. It right. was a Scottish. It was a Scottish um, ship, okay, okay. which got and they took it out not long ago because it got a bit too dangerous. Right, that was the SS Dicky, so Dicky Beach got named after. Okay, um, yeah. 
Dickie yeah. Beach. Yeah. Kings Beach, wouldn't have a clue. Moffat was from the headland, I think. Moffat's, Moffat Heads. Isn't there a booby beach down there? No, you're talking about Noosa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about beach. A Bay, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Okay, you know what that, that is. One. Yeah. Uh, so, but um, Golden Beach, I mean, that's uh, obviously Golden, Golden Sands. Golden Beach, or? I'm not too sure. So, Golden Beach was the guy that actually had all Golden Beach many, many moons ago was the Hensel's family, which is Hensel's real estate today. Okay. Um, so, basically, the grandfather, Mr. Hensel, bought all that land. Wow. And then he developed it. And that's. Yeah. He might have named, I'm not too sure. Okay. Not too sure about that. But Golden Beach, it's a golden place. It's awesome down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not, as, well, not as good as here, but yeah, it's beautiful down there. It is. And that's the spot. thing about the sunny coast is it's spread so far from, you know, Noosa to Caloundra. Yeah. And, and really, you know, you can have a lot of people here, but it's just spread out. So it, it does make yeah. it for quite an experience. Yeah, for sure. And um, look, sunny coast as a whole, it's it's a great spot. Like, I love the Gold Coast. I love Brisbane as well. But up here, I just think it's a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. Um, not as hustle and bustle. Um, but yeah, it all depends what you want to do, where yeah. you want to be. Yep. Go to Cape York. There's oh, no, there's no, no one up there. I know. And that's, that's the trip that we'll plan down the track. And that'll come up on an episode of Step Outside. Mate, yeah. um, cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Good talking to you. And next time you're on your adventure around this beautiful country of ours, make sure you come through Queensland, stop off. So there you have it. Next time you're around the country, come on up here to Cotton Tree Beach. Come and see Trent and his family. Get the point. Campsites here are absolutely amazing. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's an absolute gorgeous spot here on the southeast coast of Queensland. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, mate. Good on you, buddy. Thanks, girls. Cheers. Well, that's it for this week's Step Outside podcast. Next week, we jump on board Big Cat Reality, a large mothership that ventures hundreds of miles off the Queensland coastline. We jump on board and have a chat with the legendary skipper himself, James McVeigh. That's next week on the Step Outside podcast.